You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? How you doing, you Vox and Hops heads? Here we are, episode number 26 with Keith Wampler from The Convalescence. I am coming at you live from the United States. I'm out on the road with my band Cryptopsy. I'm on tour with Aborted, Cryptopsy, Hideous Divinity, and Benighted. It's the hell over North America, the ultimate in blast beat parties. Uh, it's been sick. It's been fun. Uh, tour continues tonight in Fresno, California at Strummer's. So if you don't have your tickets, get your tickets because uh, a lot of these shows have been selling out. Uh, we've been having a great fucking time. It's always fucking fun to play in the USA. Fans are intense. Uh, I'm getting a lot of amazing support. Um, Beer-wise, I've put out this contest, this uh, participation connection, if you want, um, where you contact the band and you book your spot and you get to bring out some delicious local craft beers. And I will be reviewing them and tasting them with some of my guests on the podcast I've been having some crazy, crazy nights. In particular, Denver was overwhelming in the support that I received in this uh, connection contest, participation, beer, in exchange for a ticket to the show. Uh, on Denver alone, I got over 40 delicious craft beers. I got to do some shout outs right now for a bunch of people that have uh, brought out some beers. So here we go. So huge thank you to... Uh, Hiran, the guitarist of Battlecross, he came out, he brought us a bunch of delicious beers from the Detroit area. Huge shout out to Keith Wampler, my guest on the podcast today, came out and brought us also a bunch of uh, great craft beers from Toledo. So thank you to you too. In Chicago, as I said, we were over overwhelmed with the amount of great beers that we received. So huge uh, shout out to Mike from Broken Hope who uh, we also conducted an interview that night, which will be coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, we got Jordan Lannert. Jordan Lannert, I got to tell you, my beer of the week was a beer that you brought. It was absolutely delicious. It was Demorphic from Speciation Artisan Ales. And it's the Demorphic. It is a fodder-aged Solera sour ale with sweet, dark red and gold cherries. And this beer was absolutely delicious. I am just can't get over how good it was. I'd love to find it again. So uh, thank you, Jordan. Delicious beer. Excellent uh, fruity notes. Just the right amount of sour. The nice little aged fodder part of it. Really super complex. Super delicious. And I'm dying to get my hands on another bottle of that. Also in Chicago, huge shout out to Michael Wagner, who brought us uh, a bunch of delicious IPAs, uh, hazy IPAs. We were really spoiled that night. My favorite one he brought me was the Megabyte, which was a Citra and Amarillo hopped double IPA. Uh, it was uh, absolutely amazing. So thank you, Michael Wagner. Uh, huge shout out to the boys in Kansas City, Dallas, uh, who owns uh, the Riot Room. He always blesses us always uh, grants us access to all of his amazing beers and he loves sharing beers so a huge shout out to Dallas and finally a huge shout out to in Denver I got hooked up with amazing amazing true brewery beers from Alex Ward's uh, huge shout out to you and a big th shout out to Chris Ball who brought us uh, a whole slew of amazing local Denver beers um, I just I'm loving this idea I'm loving uh, getting access to all these beers that I wouldn't normally know where to find and it's people keep hitting um, my taste, my palate, my uh, the beers that I appreciate right on mark. So I'm really, really stoked and uh, appreciative of all of this. So cheers and thank you all. Today on the podcast, as I mentioned, Keith Wampler from The Convalescence. Check it all out. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 26. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. 
And what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Keith Wampler, the vocalist, the uh, booking agent, the very, very busy dude from the convalescence. Uh, I met you in 2015. We were touring together on, I can't remember, Back to the Worms. Back to the U.S. Back to the U.S. tour. It was uh, Cryptopsy. Discourage, Arima, and Surruption. Surruption, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Surruption's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, the whole thing about them not being able to come to the States. I didn't know that. I know they've been to the States since then. They have a bunch of uh, visa issues going on. One of their members. Shout out to Michael. You'll get through this, and uh, we shall hang (laughs) on on American soil. Or fuck it, we'll come over there and tour with you. Yes, absolutely. Um, So we are at The Grid, which is uh, my guitarist from Cryptopsy Studio. Um, you are here because you are just finished recording your new album. Yep. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what made you come here? How did that uh, come to um, terms? Well, we've, we've wanted to work with Chris for a while. Um, pretty much since that tour we did with you guys, um, just hearing all the stuff that comes out of here, you know, beneath the massacre, the agonist, like all that kind of stuff is just fucking killer always. And a lot of the bands we listen to record here. And he's been asking us, you know, we've been sending our stuff up there for like, hey, can you mix and master this for us and stuff? And it's always sounded great. But until last year, we weren't allowed in Canada because of criminal charges and whatever, because apparently you can't be a metal band without some criminals. So (laughs) um, we got all that straightened out and everything. And we've done like four Canada tours now in the last two years and actually do better up here than we do in the States most of the time. Really? It was kind of surprising. Uh, we even had like played out in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and a dude walked three hours to come see us. He walked three hours, walked, and it was cold as fuck. And it's I was Canada, like, Canada yeah. metal lovers. I couldn't believe it. He he's like, I just walked three hours to be here. I've been wanting to see you guys for three years, and I'm like, I feel really bad. I, we, maybe we should have picked him up or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have played a little longer. Yeah, <laughs> two more songs. Here's your eight songs for three years of waiting. <laughs> Two more songs for that guy. Uh, how was the recording process? Uh, it went, this is the smoothest we ever recorded. It's the first time we've ever done live drums. First time we recorded in another country. First time ever doing any guest vocal stuff. Uh, all went really smooth. We finished like five days early than scheduled. So can't complain. Doing 10 songs in basically 10 days. Yeah, and you told, you had told me before we started the interview that you tracked your vocals in two days. Yeah, which ten is, songs in two days. Which is which is very very impressive. Feeling a little rough last night. Uh, whole body kind of hurt from just recording vocals like that, but totally worth it. I'm happy with the finished product. It's like a whole like physical thing though, screaming. Yeah, I put it like akin to drumming almost. Yeah, <laughs> the way that we like. Yeah, if you look at the members of a band that sweat the most on stage, it's probably the vocalist and the drummer. Mm-hmm. The guitar player is always the ones complaining though. <laughs> guitarists, guitarists are special breeds. Yeah, they're, they're 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 we need them, so we we we, <laughs> right, <laughs> we gotta right. put up with them. <laughs> it was a long day of tracking. I sat in a chair. <laughs> Like, <laughs> my back hurts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys did a five show run up here in Canada leading up to the studio. How was that? Was it the first time you've ever toured Canada in the winter? In the winter? Yeah. I and mean, we were here in the spring and it was still cold, mm-hmm. but it was like bearable cold. Um, we like, it just snowed so much while we were up here and 
it was the most snow I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I'm just from the other side of the lake, but it doesn't, I mean, it was like snow taller than me and it's like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) So that, and then just the cold temperatures really a few nights we slept in the bus and not, you know, as soon as you turn the bus off, it's cold. Like it's outside. So like we up in like Sudbury, Ontario. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And it got super cold. I think it was like negative 17. That's always cold. Yeah. It's just (laughs) fucked. Um, but I actually grabbed my sleeping bag and it was so cold. It hurt my hand to touch, to to touch touch it. It like hurt. And I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, our drummer Charles has like a memory foam pillow and it was frozen. Like when he laid on it, it was crackling. So all of, uh, like our stage blood froze. Oh, and like that. Yeah. Cause you travel with it. Yeah. yeah. So that froze all, any drinks that are in the bus would freeze immediately. Like, wow. We, we were sitting there and you like shake a water bottle and it'll turn to ice. Wow. It was just real cold. Was this something that you anticipated or like to an like- extent, you know, we have a couple members from Texas that were kind of like, what is this? But the rest of us are from like Ohio and Michigan. So it's kind of the same as touring at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, some of the days were way colder than I really anticipated. Cause for me, like when I'm organizing a tour, I'm thinking about organizing a tour. Touring Canada in the winter is never <laughs> something in my well, mind. We always try to record in the winter because the prime like touring time is like spring, summer, fall. So we always try to record in the winter, you know, and we wanted to do a couple warm up shows mainly for my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about that before too. Yeah. Just coming off a tour and, you know, going right into the studio and recording, you're warmed up, you're feeling it, you got like your full breaths and everything. Whereas like if you're sitting at home for a while, um, I don't know about you. I have trouble like getting back into. The, I forget how to scream. Yeah, same. I have two. <laughs> I have two screams. I have. Uh, we can talk about it there. That I just did a right. guest vocal for the new convalescence. Right. And that I have that scream and that scream I can pull out just about any time. That, yeah. That's okay. That scream. But my standard mat scream. Right. I forget how to do it, and it takes me a good twenty minutes before I yeah. fall back into what needs to happen. But when I'm on tour, it happens immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can just bust it out and you're like, good. Yeah. Good. yeah Cause yeah. you're always warmed up at that point. Cause you've been screaming your head off every day. Um, but sitting at home, you know, I don't just, well, I do sometimes, but I don't normally just walk around my house and scream at stuff, but I, I tend to not. Yeah. Maybe in the shower. a little I, bit. I, I do like randomly, but <laughs> it'll be more of like a fry if I do it on my own. Yeah. Like a, like a little fake scream, which is something I don't do. Yeah. Let's talk about beer. Vox and Hops is all about beer. Um, are you a craft beer enthusiast? Um, not really. I uh, just drink whatever beer is handed to me normally, or PBR. Okay. Usually sit around, watch football or something, and drink like 30 beers. <laughs> so so, so th- this is a different style of beer than, than a PBR. This is uh, the Sir Kawa. It is a coffee stout. It's a Russian Imperial stout, which has been brewed with Guatemalan La Bolsa coffee from Detour. So it's uh, from Brasserie Dunham, which is one of my favorite breweries up here in uh, in Montreal from Quebec. They're not from Montreal, but from Quebec. And uh, this is a special one. They do it, uh, a series of it with different coffees. It, it rings in at uh, 9.5%. Uh, extra strong beer. Let's see what the sucker's got. Cheers, Keith. Yeah, cheers. It smells uh, nice and... Definitely interesting. Like like chocolatey? 
Yeah, a little bit. Like a dessert beer. Yeah, it's not overly boozy because the coffee's so strong. It's very bitter. It's uh, very dark. It's an ominous black, beautiful beer. Perfect for winter. I have to say, since we've been in Quebec, I don't know if it's just from hanging out with Chris or what, but I've tried so many different beers in the last like two weeks, and I have no idea what any of them are. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane right now up here. There, I was reading an article that uh, a person who owns a beer craft beer shop gets 40 new releases every week. Like totally new beers? Yes. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I like variety, and I, like, I don't want to... I was saying it on the previous podcast that I just did that I don't want to like stifle the artistic side of them making beer, but I don't know if it's actually good for the whole market of the beer. Just have so many of them. And then there's kids that just want that new beer. Right. So I don't know if we're so forget- that nobody, are, nobody's getting like resale. Like, I don't know. You know, we're like, are we forgetting that that beer was actually good? Right. Because you're trying the new thing. Do you remember your first experience with beer? Uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, still a teenager you know and uh we were having like a bonfire at our house and uh you know my dad's like you want to try a beer and i'm like yeah sure i think i drank like three coors lights and was like trashed (laughs) 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 which is kind of funny now but i was probably like 15 yeah of course fucking wasted (laughs) like three beers i think i threw up (laughs) it's super lightweight you're from detroit uh, Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. Where is Toledo located? Uh, Ohio. It's, Ohio. Okay. It's almost to Michigan. Like if you're going down I-75, the first city when you hit Ohio is going to be Toledo. Okay. Do you know if there's a craft beer scene there? Uh, there's a few breweries. I know, I know there's like Great Lakes Brewery in Michigan um, that a lot of people drink. Um, as far as like in Toledo, um, I can't really think of any. You know, I don't, I don't really get out much while I'm home. I'm usually sitting around working and... Maybe I'll go to a show or something, but as far as like Toledo breweries, I don't really know. Most of them are in Michigan. I think like there's a place called Motor City Brewing Company that's okay. yeah. pretty good. They got some good beer there and uh, yeah, Great Lakes and that's all I can really think of, honestly. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Well, when when you, did you start screaming? When did you discover that you had this talent for it? Um, actually... In my band in high school, um, it was 2007, I want to say, um, we had like three guitar players and could not find a vocalist <laughs> that like fit. And uh, I started doing vocals probably the completely wrong way by just cuffing the mic completely and just basically just throwing up into it pretty much. And listening to like those stuff from back then it just sounded like a panther or something like it was awful <laughs> it was super terrible but i mean everybody's gotta start somewhere i guess absolutely, but, absolutely. yeah i just did it because i was sick of looking for a singer <laughs> i was like because you were playing guitar yeah i was playing guitar okay. and i was just like you know what i'm not very good at guitar i have some ideas here and there like uh i usually contribute one song per album oh yeah musically that's awesome um and then other than that just scream but uh once i started doing vocals i found that i liked that a lot better like playing live doing vocals than having to worry about oh is my amp gonna fuck up is mm-hmm. this, this whatever just go out there and grab less, a mic and there's scream. less gear to carry into there's no gear to carry really <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got my wireless mic and that's it that's not true but we're, we're, we're both singers that load in yeah i do yeah i absolutely do too i do Sometimes so the, I don't load out, but that's usually because I'm trying to get us paid. Or you're so, at the merch. Or, yeah, or at merch. 
Who were some of your early influences when you started screaming? Um, probably as weird as it is, like Mushroom Head was the first band that I really got into that was like screaming at all. But once I got into that, there was, you know, Lamb of God and then Slipknot and it just progressed to heavier and heavier from there. And now I'm at this point where every time I hear a vocalist make just some crazy sound, I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to learn how to do that. How do you how do you go about discovering your voice further? Um, it's just one of those things like uh, you hear it enough times and just kind of just try to mimic it to a certain extent. And then once you get it down, kind of make it your own from there mm-hmm. um, and just build off of it, I guess. Um, cause I know like my vocals now sound nothing like they did even a couple years ago, but this is because I've changed what I've been listening to and, you know, from touring with so many great vocalists and playing shows with so many great vocalists. I've been like, Oh, I see how he's doing that. All right. Well, maybe I'll try that with my scream and that technique or whatever and see what it sounds like or whatever. And been fortunate enough to tour with like Travis Ryan and, uh, stuff like that and play with Whitechapel a few times and play with Carnifex a few times and stuff like that. And uh, one dude I can't understand is Adam from Oceano. His lows are just otherworldly. I just can't even, <laughs> can't even do it. Or uh, It's like going to school when you're on tour. Yeah, you're just watching just everybody there like, and... damn, that sounds crazy. Like, <laughs> I need to do that. How would you describe your technique when you approach screaming now? Oh, I don't know. Um just, I guess, more aggressive enunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, before, it was just kind of like a flat, like, I'm just trying to make this tone and get through this, you know? And now it's more, uh, I guess, more developed. Mm-hmm. But if you had to, like, describe it to someone learning how to scream, how would you describe your technique and how you approach screaming? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'd be a really terrible... Vocal, vocal teacher <laughs> vocal of any coach. kind. People have asked me before, like, how do you scream? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just gross. I like, just scream. <laughs> yeah, you just fucking make noises. So, um, I don't know. I always just tell people, like, pick, like, 10 vocalists that you really enjoy and make a playlist of, like, your 10 favorite songs, one from each of these bands, and just sing along with it until, you know, something is comfortable and then build off that. Um, cause that's really good know, advice that yeah. how to build a range and stuff like that. And, you know, if you're just like, you know, I, I remember probably around like 2010, 2011, I knew like 20 vocalists that sounded just like Randy Blythe, like in the local scene. It's like, <laughs> dude, listen to something else, please. Hey, Rand, Randy's, Randy's amazing. Yeah. 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 But Randy's amazing. Yeah. So like, yeah. shout out to Randy. I, yeah, for sure. Love seeing you. Uh, who do you think is the best metal vocalist? Best metal vocalist. Um, we talking like singing too, or are we talking about screaming? Let's just keep it to screaming for now. Screaming. I got to go with Travis Ryan. Yeah, I, I, he's high up there on my list from as well. Cattle, yeah. dude. That's that. Like, uh, it's not singing, but it's not screaming either. Like his old lady witch voice. There is that. Is that <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. It's fucking. Travis. It's amazing, man. Yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah, I love it. Um, and just some of the patterns and like, he's like rolling his R's doing Mm -hmm. high vocals and it's Mm -hmm. like, dude, what the fuck? It's, it's just amazing. That's probably tops. He's really, really fucking talented and he's super, super humble and hard on himself. Yeah. 
Yeah, but having, he's having had toured with re- him there, really, yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is the best up and coming vocalist that you've heard? The best up and coming vocalist from like a smaller band, let's say. Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go. It's a tie for me, actually. Um, I'm gonna give it to uh, Cody from the Breathing Process. Uh, we just toured with those dudes up in Canada, and that dude is super talented. Um, he's also an I Killed Everyone. <laughs> That's and, an awesome band. Name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hearing him live was really, really good. And uh, Colton Head from Forces. Oh, okay. So um, I don't know that neither. He's got this like high scream, this like pterodactyl scream. Oh, calls cool. It. It's ridiculous. Um, we've had the pleasure of touring with them quite a few times. So they're from Detroit. So we play with those guys all the time. But yeah, Colton's crazy good. Um, speaking about playing with people, um, you're always on the road. Yeah, I, I, I pretty keep, much. I keep seeing the convalescence on all these tours. Uh, how does that, that affect you? You know, you're just you're like road dogs. Yeah, you were I mentioning mean, that you do like 200 dates a year. Yeah, close to it. How do you mentally handle that? Um, I think we're all just kind of used to it. <laughs> like we feel a lot of us feel like more comfortable on the road than actually even being home. When I'm home, I don't know what to do with myself. Like. I'm home for like a few days, a week or so, you know, and it's like, cool. I got to shower every day and got some sleep. And I ate some food and didn't have to scream. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm, where am I supposed to go now? It is a very like ritualistic life when we're on yeah. tour. We know exactly what we have to do when we have to do yeah, it. So when, you, you're... when I get home, I'm always like weird for a few days, like mm-hmm. trying to adjust to being a normal person. Yeah. It's like everybody's looking at you like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's just road stuff. I'm just headbanging. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the sacrifices that you've made to be able to tour so much? Oh, I mean, like back home, I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. I don't have my own place. Uh, so when you're off tour, where do you stay? Uh, well, for a, for a while, I was staying at my mom's, but okay. I've been staying uh, with my girlfriend a lot um, over the past little while. So does that make it harder? She she must understand that you're a tour a tour dog a road yeah dog I've, I've known her for a really long time i think 11 years now or something oh like cool that. Awesome. But, uh just recently started trying to make things work again whatever but uh you know we uh she understands she supports it she comes out to a bunch of shows when we're around the area too so it's cool has no interest in ever being on the road with us though <laughs> my, my, my wife same yeah, thing same yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah. she'll come up for a show but that's about it yeah she'll she'll cruise out for a show maybe a weekend she'll like follow us show to show and then after that it's like i'm going home let's talk about the bus that's parked outside <laughs> um when you we did the 2015 tour you guys pulled up in this school bus which you've converted into a tour bus yeah now you're saying you mentioned that this is not that same school no bus, we so actually traded that bus for this bus okay so how, how did you guys go about turning a school bus into a tour bus rip all the seats out um and basically the first step was to find a loophole to where we didn't need somebody with a cdl to drive it okay a um, cdl is a special license that you yeah, need yeah. to drive um school bus drive just giant vehicles like a commercial driver's license Got basically it. Okay. Um, and to do that, we had to get this registered as an RV. Really? Um, yeah. So we found some like loopholes as such as like, you know, it has to have a bathroom. So when we got it inspected, we bolted a toilet to the floor, but it doesn't work. No, it didn't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, like stuff like that. That's awesome. It's got to have tables fixed to the floor. So we'd like bungee cord that shit down and like. 
it just, you know, and it technically isn't supposed to safely seat over 16 people or you need like a chauffeur's license or whatever. So we read all the loopholes basically to make an RV an RV and at least makeshifted them for the inspection and got it registered as an RV and then took that shit out and transformed it into a tour bus basically. Oh, okay. So coming into Canada, you had no issues? No. Actually, when we pulled up this last time, we pulled up and he's like, pull over here, you know, instead of just letting us go through. And we opened the door and he's like, this is a pretty cool bus. That's cool. I want a tour after. Yeah. I definitely want a tour. I want to see what the you guys yeah. are traveling. In. I mean, they got up there and they looked around. They didn't even go through anything or anything. And, you know, we've had troubles before. We got denied to Canada once actually in the old bus. And they ripped all of our beds out of there. And really? Gear and everything. We're throwing it in the snow. And like, uh. You, you just, just caught, caught someone on a being, bad day. Yeah, just yeah. being dicks to us. And Absolutely. Then they, then they wouldn't let us in after the background checks. And mm-hmm. then they told us, like, you have 15 minutes to get everything picked up and head back to the U.S. We're writing you, like, a ticket for obstructing a border. Jeez. And it's like you tore apart our whole bus yeah. and threw it outside. Like, Wow. You know. So we had to just throw everything back in and then drive to the States and then pull over in Detroit and reorganize the whole bus. And it was like the week our CD came out. So we missed like four shows the week our CD came out and just kind of screwed us on charting or anything like that. So up in Canada. Yeah. You guys had to like catch up the next. Yeah. We had to wait like four days and then drive around the lakes and <laughs> back up with our own tour in New York. So <laughs> that sounds like that's, that's one tour horror story. Yeah. That was, but, but what, what is the, the tour, tour horror, horror story? story? Um, we have, I have actually two for you. Um, one was in the States. We went out to, uh, we were on tour for 115 days straight. Yes. Like no breaks. That was, that we're was going 2015, home. no? Yeah. That was, that was 2015. Our tour, our tour was a part of that, I think. Uh, yeah, that was like towards the beginning of it. Was mm-hmm. We were on tour for, I think, two weeks before we met up with you guys. Insane. Or maybe three weeks before we met up with you guys. Our tour with you was three weeks. Then we went out with Il Nino and Straight Line Stitch and Moto Grader right after that. I think we had to drive from Ohio straight to Colorado. Um, and then we cut back across, headlined dates down to Florida and back up to the up to the Midwest, played Mayhem Fest in Pennsylvania, and then the next show was at the Whiskey in Hollywood. So we drove 58 hours straight. Unbelievable. To get out there. <laughs> and uh and it was like over a hundred degrees. We had no AC or anything, so we're just dying all the way out there. Play the whiskey, play another festival the next day, and we, then we got our oil changed before we headed up to like Northern California. Well uh the place that changed our oil didn't put the oil plug back in all the way. So as we're driving we get up into the middle of nowhere in the desert in California. It's like one ten or whatever outside the oil plug falls out and dumps all of our oil out of the bus on the side of the road. So it overheated immediately and like all the lights were on and everything. And we pull over on the side of the road and I think we had to wait four and a half hours for somebody to get out to where we were to put in a new oil pan plug. And we had to pay him like $200 or 250 bucks or something to do that and bring us oil and stuff. Well, he didn't prime the turbo on the bus um, so he's like, Oh yeah, you're good. And we took back off well, about an hour down the road. We hear this sound and it was like the weirdest sound ever. It's just like, zzz, like that. And we're like, what the fuck was that? And then the whole bus was filling with smoke. No way. And it was inside like, the bus. Yeah, yeah. Inside the bus, like up through the wheel. Well, unbelievable. Like, 
we were leaving a trail. It looked like something exploded. And we're like, oh shit, are we on fire? Yeah. Like we thought the bus was like <laughs> absolutely, on fire. Yeah, absolutely, so yeah. we pull over and everybody's jumping off the bus and everything. And there's just, you can't even see the road. Cars are driving through the smoke with their hazards on and stuff. And like, that's scary. It was so much smoke. Someone called the fire department. So the fire department shows up at our bus on the side of the road and uh, it wasn't on fire. But what, what had happened was when the when the turbo blew from not being primed, it was just shooting like raw oil and burning it up inside okay. the bus. Yeah. It's just oil smoke everywhere. Jesus. So we had to get a police and fire escort because we were putting out so much smoke. It was a hazard to the road. So they were like driving behind us with their with lights their on. Lights. And we all were sitting in the bus still with like bandanas tied around our faces and stuff because all the smoke. And we got it pulled over to a place and we were stranded in this like parking lot in the desert for like three days. We had to do like a GoFundMe to like, oh yeah, uh, whatever. And we, had, I, rem- I remember when this happened, there was a bunch of bands like Hansel and Gretel and shit, like, you know, donating money and like helping us out and stuff. And the repair ended up being $3,300 uh, and it was day 101 of the tour Whoa. and, uh, we pulled it together and got just enough to get up to uh, Spokane, and it was like, play a show to make enough money to get to the next show, to get to the next show, and uh, we were living off, of, like, we were stealing, like, lunch meat from Walmart and shit, like, that's how we were eating, and uh, got all the way back around and finished the tour off, um, and then we're back on the road a month later again so it was like <laughs> ridiculous a little bit and the other one was the one and only time we've been to europe so far um went over there with suffocation cattle decapitation and uh we get there and we're on the way to the first show and we're driving on uh, the autobahn in germany and all the power in the van goes out the lights go out oh because you weren't out. in the bus with them you, no you we guys were, had a van we had a, a van that our agent over there owned for his band okay. and he's driving and uh, he's, he's French. So he like speaks French and like French English kind of. Mm-hmm. And we're in Germany and none of us speak any foreign languages except Katie speaks Spanish, you know, but mm-hmm. we, uh, so all the power goes out in the van. He pulls over and tries to restart the van and nothing. And we're on the side of the Autobahn. Like in a construction area. Yeah, and just cars flying by. The cops show up. The German cops show up. Start banging on the window with like the nightstick thing. And he, pull, he rolls down the window and they're like, and they yelled at us in German. We're like, dude, we don't know what you're saying. And they yelled at us in English. What fucking drugs are you on? And we're like, none, dude. We just can't go anywhere. <laughs> like, you've never had a car break down out here before? Like, We have better fixed position. Yeah, they were pissed. And it didn't help that the back of the van said, dear bitch. Like huge. That one helped. That one helped. No. No. And it was like big neon green letters on a white van. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh they're trying to speak like German English to our agent who only speaks French English. And it was just a mess. So then they call the tow truck. And this tow company was like, All right, well, we're gonna tow you into Cologne. And uh, his insurance company like paid for a hotel for us for the night and everything. And they're like, we'll have it fixed by morning. And we're like, cool, because our show in Poland is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, first date of the first time we're ever in Europe. 
This is the first show. First show. We're on the way to the first show from the airport. (laughs) (laughs) We had a 12-hour flight and then this. Uh. 12-hour flight, six-hour drive, fucked. And (laughs) then we call in the morning and they're like, oh, we can't fix your van because it's a French van and we don't fix those. And we're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Like, Aren't you a garage? Right. (laughs) And, uh... So we ended up missing the first four shows. We missed the show in Poland, both shows in the Czech Republic, and the show in Germany we missed. And we didn't had not anticipated on like having to rent a vehicle mm-hmm. to finish the tour. We had not anticipated on hotels, really. It's all these extra expenses just and piling like in. Thousands of dollars. And I mean, for us, we're a six-piece band. It, it costs like, just to get there and back in plane tickets, like, Closed eight thousand dollars. Absolutely. So that hotels for you guys is like, you and have we weren't getting, be- yeah, we weren't getting paid on the tour. Ah. So and we had, you know, bought onto the tour because we had never been to Europe before, and it was just like, so not only do we not have money, but we don't have money even more now, and it's like, so we were spending pretty much every day at McDonald's on the Wi-Fi trying to figure out our situation. And walking like on foot with all of our gear and luggage and shit around the big ass cathedral there and staying in like hostels and stuff. Jeez. And uh, for four days. And then we rented a car. Uh, with six of you. There were seven with our agent. It's a big car. So it was no. <laughs> it was not a big car. <laughs> it was uh, a Ford Galaxy. Jeez. And it technically seats seven. Well, so we were having to like load people and then put gear on top of uh. them. And like that's the whole rest of your tour. Yeah, we finished the tour over there like that. Unbelievable. So we didn't give up. We do. We had our. I was just gonna say we didn't have room for the merch boxes. We had our merch in like trash bags, and like it was it was wild. But eventually, once we did a few tour dates, and they were like, "Okay, these guys aren't so bad." They started letting us keep like our guitars in their trailer. Oh, cool. But the first few days, they were just like, "What are you guys doing?" Wow. And we're just like, uh. Nothing good. And of course, uh, the first stuff, day... Stuff and cattle are cool. Yeah. Oh, they're great guys. But I, they just didn't know us yet. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so um, in the first day, of course, we get to uh, the Viper Room yeah, in the, Austria. Yeah, the stairs. Well, yeah, we loaded down like six <laughs> flights of stairs in the dark. Into the, it's, it's always dark. It's always dark as fuck. And, and then into uh, that like tunnel room. So we get everything down there and everything. We sound check. And of course, our drummer plugs in a... Uh, an adapter instead of a converter for his mixer for, to run the tracks. And there goes all that. And it fried his mixer. Mm-hmm. And so that was how we were going to run our backtracks for, the new, of course, for yeah. the new songs we were playing. And we don't normally use backtracks, but we were trying to have all the samples there. Like, this is a big tour in Europe. Like, it's got to sound really good. So we decided to try it out. So then we rigged up the system with, like, an iPod, mm-hmm. you know, and a headphone splitter, mm-hmm. basically, to where all the monitors on stage would have the click. <laughs> on stage though okay yeah. and then out front of the house would not have the click because he would pan it yeah 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 well the sound guy sound checked us like that and it was good like it worked and we're like sick we'll just run it like this well he removed the fucking pan so, right as we started our set so the entire show our click track was coming through the front of house loud as fuck that's embarrassing and no one told us uh, and we played the whole set like that and just everybody's like the place is packed and they're just looking at us like what is yeah what is happening right now and uh because we played fine 
You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we played our shit right. But I've had some good you just shows. You hear there. this like yeah. boop, 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 yeah, yeah, boop, yeah. through everything. And uh, we get off stage and dudes in suffocation are standing there and they're like, what was that? We're like, what do you mean? They're like, your clicks were coming through the front of house the whole show. Well, you we're could like, have told us. We're like, dude, anybody could have told us. And our agent runs off. He's like, you fucking idiots. And we're like. Why didn't you tell us? Like seriously, this is your job here. He's like, I was running merch. So I'm like, we're not going to sell any merch with the click tracks coming <laughs> through the front. Of the house. And, and honestly, honestly, and and in your in your defense, yeah, the merch booth is right next to the fucking sound booth. Yeah, because I've I've been there. It's like ten feet away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a disaster day one and day two. We're in Slovenia and. Justin's like, I'm going to hook up my backtracks. I'm like, no, you're not. We're just going to play without him. Dude, like, fuck these samples. Like, Especially we, if you're using a house guy. It's yeah, always hard. And we have not used backtracks ever again since that show. Once you have a sound guy that's your sound guy. Oh, yeah. Then it's probably You can great. do whatever you want. But, yeah, so we play everything raw, like, completely. Even Katie plays all of her keyboard parts manually. Of course she does. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunate to have a very good keyboardist. I see a lot of bands with, like cool keyboard set up and laptops and two keyboards and everything and you actually watch them like side stage and they push like one button mm-hmm. and the whole section plays it's like why are you here <laughs> <laughs> they look cool she's cute yeah but um she's the one that's stuck by you the longest yeah you probably could ask this a lot uh, the way cryptopsy does uh lineup changes and you you definitely have a stick to it attitude yeah. you don't give up We've gone through 50 band members since 2011. Which is insane. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the only original. Katie's been with us since 2013, so mm-hmm. she's pretty close. Uh, she's been here since we've been a serious band, at least. Um, and really, it comes down to, like, there's been very few very few band members that have left because of, like, personal, like, fuck you kind of reasons. Like, we're on good terms with a lot of our band members still uh, that have been here. It's just the like grueling constant tour schedule it's hard you you know people we don't really make that much money so i mean like it's hard it's a sacrifice yeah. that's why i asked you when you had to sacrifice so, you know yeah i mean basically don't have shit while you're home and you know it's when, hard to like have a family it's yeah hard to, it, it, how, it how old it's, are you I'm um, 27. Okay, so you still have uh, years I had to before think you about, get that I had itch to think about on. that one for a minute yeah. and i was like how the fuck old am i yeah me too it happens to me all the time <laughs> all the touring you're doing uh who is the biggest ego that you've crossed? Otep. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I did read that and I was hoping you'd yeah. say that. So that we, if you want to talk about that, I'd like to. Um, like, I'm not going to go into like a super lot of detail about it um, because I'm not really trying to stir up any shit or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like her whole band was super cool to us. And like, you know, so we started like doing stuff like helping them load in every day. Like we'd load our stuff in and then go load their stuff in too. Which, which um, is, uh, if, if any younger bands are out there. You want to make friends. And you want to make a good impression on the tour. <laughs> yeah, help. You should load in, help the headliner load in. It's, it's an right. a- excellent tactic. Right. So we're always all about that. And we just want to make the whole show run smoothly no matter what. So, I mean, we'd help all the bands load in. That, that's, you know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, help set up merch. And like when her, because her security dude that she had was also her merch guy. So like when he wasn't there, we'd we'd watch her merch table for her. Some nights when there wasn't like adequate security, we'd go up there and stand to make sure nothing happened. Like right after our set and stuff like that. And like we were always like, you know, doing a bunch of stuff to really try to help, you know? And is, she, uh, is it because she's so is she actually in danger? Is it because she has like well, I mean, social anxiety issues? I think she's very political and says a lot of stuff a lot of people don't like, so okay. 
from what we gathered on the tour, she gets a lot of like online death threats and okay. like stuff like that. So I, I understand having a security person or mm-hmm. whatever, man. But, um, you know, we probably, we, we did our job. We showed up every night. We drew people to the tour. We promoted the shit out of it. Uh, we even made the flyer for the second tour. Oh, because you toured like, with them twice. Yeah, we toured with her twice. The first one went off just great. It was fantastic. And she liked us and was like, yeah, bring them back onto another tour. And so we're like, yeah, we'll definitely do it. The first one was great. Like, we'll do another one. And this and the second one was just a disaster. Like, as far as like us getting along with her. From from what I read, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. There was accusations of smoking dope. We smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> I like. I don't know what to tell you. Like, and then the second thing was selling merch during their set. Yeah, and that was literally not true. Um, we did not sell merch during her set. I have never ever been on a tour where a headliner won't let me sell merch during their me set. Me neither. That's <laughs> right, ri- until that's that ridiculous. But it was like, okay, it's your tour, your rules, and we respected Absolutely, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our merch girl at the time, what had happened was normally every night they would do they would come out without OTEP on stage, just the band, and they wouldn't be in their like costumes or whatever yet. And they come out and they would play instrumentally uh, a cover of Rain and Blood. Mm-hmm. And then their guitarist would be like, oh, who's ready for OTEP, you know, or whatever. And uh, that was like our cue, like shut the merch tables down or Got whatever. It. Yeah, yeah. And being the direct support, like we made sure all the bands shut their lights out and made yeah. sure everybody stopped selling. And like, these are the rules, like do it or pack your shit up, you know, basically trying to help out. And uh, the night we played at the Token Lounge, they have a big curtain in front of the stage. So they didn't do the, so they didn't do the Slayer thing. So we had no warning that she was about to just start. Mm-hmm. So when that curtain opened and she sees the merch lights still on, well, it wasn't even the merch lights. What had happened because the merch table was like right there from the stage, um, right on the side of the stage basically. And, uh, while the curtain was still closed and everything, our merch girl sold the t-shirt to somebody who was leaving. They didn't want to see OTEP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, took his credit card and ran his credit card and he got charged well before she could grab him his shirt the curtains open and otep started playing so she told him to hold on a second and she ran around and shut off all the merch lights all the way down the whole row of merch and told all the bands like shut your lights out no merch until she's done and then came back and with her phone light while otep was playing dug through and grabbed a shirt and handed him the shirt and that's what it was. But he had already paid for the shirt. It's you just know? the timing of it. Though. And she saw that mm-hmm. and was like, you guys sold fucking merch. I want you off my tour. Wow. And it was not really cut and dry like that. Like you're off the tour for that. It was a buildup. There was yeah. probably like stuff. That well, it was happened. the, it was the weed thing first, um, which was also a misunderstanding, but we just apologized and we're like, Oh, we're sorry. You know, we're not trying to start any shit here, whatever. But the second one with the merch thing, you know, I was just sick of it at that point. And I was, and they were like, Oh, she wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's anything like the last time, you know, I told the whole band, I'm like, if it's, if she talks to me anyway, as she did last time about the weird thing, about the weed thing. Cause in 70 shows with them, she only actually talked to talk to me face to face twice, which were these two interactions. Yeah. Basically I'll talk to you if I'm pissed mm-hmm. and that's it. Otherwise stay away from me. Like, mm-hmm. we weren't even allowed in the venue if she was in the venue. Really? Like, yeah. Wow. If she was in there doing her meet and greet or sound check or anything, we had to sit outside. She had to sit outside in our bus and when it was, like, negative 10 and shit. Really? For hours. 
weird until yeah. we could load in because she was in there doing her thing. So it was it was bullshit. That, that, <laughs> I mean, that, does, that does sound like the biggest ego. But we we put up with it. The shows were good. Everything was cool for the most part, you know. But uh, I just told my band, I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not going to hold my tongue if she starts talking shit again. I'm going to talk shit back. And we're probably going to get kicked off the tour. And they're all like, yeah, dude, fuck it. Just say whatever. And, you know, I'm not going to go in depth of that conversation, but... There were some shitty things said both directions <laughs> in that conversation. We were off the tour. Do you think that uh, all the press helped the band? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you and feel like more people are coming to shows since then? or Yeah. I mean... Or more people know the name? More people know the name for sure. I mean, it was on like Loudwires, like mm-hmm. This Week in Metal with the host and everything. And it was on Metal Injection and Metal Sucks and everything. And we, we didn't even expect it to be that big. We were just like, we need to make a statement of why we're not finishing these last 12 dates. Um, you owed that to your fans, too. Yeah, yeah. that's that was our thing, is we're not even trying to, like, trash OTEP. We're not trying to talk shit. We're not trying to start a fight. We're just like, hey, we're not finishing these 12 dates. Here's why. We got kicked <laughs> off the tour. This is why. And we knew that we had to put that statement out immediately. Because, I mean, we were already loaded into the Pittsburgh show. She kicked us off the tour, and we had to go up there while the local band was sound checking and rip our backline off the stage. <laughs> and like, I mean, there was even people there with our shirts on. <laughs> it was like, uh, this is what we're doing, I guess. So, did she make them leave too? No, <laughs> no. Um, but it was, uh, it was a shitty situation overall, and we had to make a statement about it, and we didn't expect it to like blow up like it did. And when I like got up, well, I, we posted it and it was like a five hour drive home. By the time we got home, it was like everywhere. It was, it was already on rock feed. I know that. And it was already on metal sucks. And our post of it had like close to 10,000 reactions already. You knew it had like a nerve. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit, dude. Like, I don't know how <laughs> this is going to go. Cause I mean like OTEP's been around for, early mid 90s i want to say right and i'm like this is a big name and we're not a big enough band to be like taking shots at a big name we're gonna lose this you know what i mean like people are gonna hate us for this no no i think you guys handled it well and yeah that was our thing is we're gonna make this one statement this is why we're not on the tour and we're gonna shut up which is a very smart thing and we're not gonna do any interviews about this we're not gonna do we're not gonna fight with her on social media we're not gonna make this a big thing we're just this is why we're not gonna be on this tour and we're done Hmm. and that's how we handled it well, a bunch of fans fucking blew up about it and were like burning her merch on Facebook live streams and really? tagging her and like I didn't see that. Yeah. All kinds of shit. Yeah. They were like, uh, we have a song called Watch Them Burn and there's people posting on our page even playing Watch Them Burn while they were lighting OTEP merch on fire. Wow. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I got tagged in the Loudwire thing where it was like, oh, this this week in metal, OTEP kicks the convalescence off. I'm like, holy shit. Like, they usually talk about, like, Metallica and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is bigger than I thought it was. And then she started just running her mouth a lot on the on social media and it was making it worse. And, we're, and I was telling everybody, shut up, shut up, don't respond to it's it. It's very smart. Yeah. So we didn't take any interviews for, I think, like three months. We didn't do any interviews about anything. And we just got ready for the Venom tour. And that was it. Like, it was uh, it was a rough situation because we really didn't know how it was going to go. We didn't expect it to blow up like it did. 
and then we had to just carefully handle it when it did. So, you know, for us, we're past that and whatever, and it is what it is. And I mean, we still talk to, and you know, some of us still hang out with some of the members of OTEP and their, their crews come out to our shows since then. And all that stuff is literally just her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was probably the worst ego I've dealt with. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the booking agency, the Legend Agency. Yeah, that's your um, booking agency, or is it an agency you work for? Um, it's 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 my agency. Uh, I'm partnered with uh, Chris Bianchi over with like Legend Recordings and stuff. Uh, you know, he actually kind of started it, and then was like, "I'm going to do the label and the management thing more." Um, and you can just pretty much keep booking, you know. So. I had a booking, you know, Wampler booking and management before that. Did you? Okay. Um, you know, that's how I started working with Chris and everything. But yeah, I do. I mean, that's how I make a living. You know, you can't make a living just touring like, mm-hmm. at, at a band our level. You it's know? hard. And uh, so you book bands. Who I book, would be yeah, the book, biggest band that you book? Um, probably us, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like, um, But I work with like Dead Eyes Always Dreaming and My Own Will. Um, I worked with Forces for a while. Mm-hmm. Um Discord Curse, A Feasting Beast, Orinoco, you know. And you, then you book in North America. Yeah, and I actually, uh, I partnered with Liam uh, Frith from Becomes Astral yeah, um, yeah. up here, and he does our Canadian booking now. Oh, that's awesome. So we kind of, if we need something in Canada, I can send bands to him, and if he needs something in the States, he can send bands to me. All the connections. Yeah, and then we also, uh, I partnered up with uh, Bastion over in... Uh, over in Europe and he does Europe and Japan for us too. So any of the bands I work with, I can do worldwide. Really? Pretty much. You know, I can't do Australia or like South America or Mexico or anything yet, but oh, I have a hookup for Australia. We'll talk after right on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Canada, the States, Europe, China and Japan, we can book. Awesome. So that's amazing. Yeah. Congrats for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It's, I mean, I honestly can't stand booking. <laughs> it's it's a pain in the ass. But it's stressful. And that was my, my next it, question is what what are some of the biggest challenges? Oh, it's just waiting on people, man. Or like the venues that'll get back to you with like the weirdest reasons why they either don't want a tour package or like you have to jump through like 20 hoops to book here. And it's like, why are you making it hard to put a successful show on yeah. at your club? Why, why do you not want to make money? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to fail? Like, <laughs> you're fucking up right now. So... That's a, a major thing that I run into. And the, the biggest one is waiting on people. Because I got the band in my ear like, why isn't our tour booked yet? Why yeah. isn't our tour booked yet? I'm like, dude, I have sent out literally 10 emails for every fucking city on your tour. <laughs> I can't do anything until I get a confirmation. Or you'll have the, the, the promoters that'll talk to you, talk to you, talk to you, talk to you, and then vanish for two weeks. Just ghost you. Yeah, and you're just like, dude, is this guy going to get back to me? And right as you're about to book something else, they're like, Oh yeah, we can totally confirm. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what would be uh, the best advice that you could give yourself at 15 years old if you can go back? Just keep doing it. Just keep working at it. I mean, I've been busting my ass 24/7 pretty much since I was 14, 15 and started jamming with my friends in basements and stuff, you know, just keep fucking doing it. Don't give up on it. Um Cause it's really to get to this point, you know, I wouldn't know as much as I knew if I hadn't have fucked up a bunch of shit mm-hmm. and had to learn from it. So I'm happy with, with that for sure. I mean, where I've made it to from where I started, 
Um, so, I mean, that's really it. Just don't give up. Keep pushing on it. I'm really in awe of your dedication. It's just, I mean, I'm sure that just what you've told me there and what I've know about you, just just like the tip of the iceberg of all the shit that you had to go through. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> to get where you guys but are. But I mean, you know? like for me, all I ever wanted to do was just be able to just do music like period. And I mean, even the booking and management thing, that's still music. Absolutely. It's so, totally, I mean, totally related. To successfully, I make a living, not a great living, but I make a living from playing music from yeah. just being involved in like death metal all the time. It's amazing. And it's cool with me. It's a lot of fucking work. It's a pain in the ass. Um, and sometimes it's not exactly fun. You know, sometimes you wake up in the bus and you're like either freezing or sweating to death. And you're just like, dude, fuck this. Like, <laughs> I'm ready to go home. What, 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 and then you, where's that? Where's my suit? Right. <laughs> and then I, uh, you know, get up on stage later and you know, get the big pit going and everything and everybody's into it and they're all stoked that you're playing shit that you wrote and you're just like, all right, I don't want to go home. Yeah, this is why, <laughs> yeah, this, this, good. this is why I'm here. Yeah. This is exactly why I do this. Thank you, Keith. Stoked to, that you part of Vox and hops. We're going to cheers. Yeah. I, uh, do you want to add anything? Uh, when, when's this new album going to hit it? Come out. Uh, um, sometime this summer, I think it's coming out on legend recordings. You have some, you have some stuff coming up. You want to shoot? Uh, we got uh, a show with In Flames and All That Remains here in a couple days. That's awesome. Um, headlining Damage Fest at the Machine Shop in Flint. Uh, we're actually doing a beer festival. What? Uh, we're, uh, <laughs> we're only talking about that now. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's Brews and Brews Fest. It's I'm jealous. Around Detroit. Um, it's us, Battlecross, and Goat Whore. Oh. And it's like a craft beer festival. Oh. You so, say hi to the boys from Battlecross for me. Please. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then we got a, a headline tour with uh, Sia Treachery and Insurgents, uh, hitting a bunch of festivals like Texas Independence Fest and Toledo Death Fest and all that kind of stuff. So, should be a good good spring at least. Awesome, leading into a busy summer, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> you don't stop. Basically dude. booked for the year. <laughs> if everything confirms, we're not going home this year. Okay, well, c- congrats on everything. Thanks, I'm man. stoked. Uh, Thanks. Thank you for being a part of Vox and Hops for sure, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging again. Yeah, definitely, man. Cheers. Hey, thank you so much for listening right to the end. I love talking with Keith. I love catching up with him. I was really lucky. I got to see him a few days after this interview when he came out to see us uh, play at the Sanctuary in Detroit. Uh, This tour has been amazing. Get your tickets. Uh, The ticket links will be available in the description. I'm having so much fun on this tour. I'm doing a whole bunch of amazing interviews. I can't wait to share them all with you guys. Um, I appreciate all your support. As always, if you have any suggestions, if you have any comments, if you have any uh, ideas of what beers I should drink, where I should drink them on this upcoming tour, uh, just shoot me an email at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And I'll be more than willing to check out what you guys are suggesting. I appreciate you all. Thank you all for your fine comments. The support that Vox and Hops is getting, it would not happen without all of you. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope that you spend some time with your family. I'm really missing mine out on this tour. So you hug all your children and all your loved ones extra hard for me, please. Hang out with your friends. And most importantly, drink great craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. 
Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!